Loba. Yes. Are you ready to get in bed with me? I'm already in bed with you. <laughs> and you ready? I am ready. Okay. Step one completed. You have done what most fail to do. Thank you. <laughs> Many I feel have so tried. accomplished. Oh you my God. have succeeded. <laughs> oh my God. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Um, everyone, this is Lola Jean. She holds the world record for volume squirting. She squirted 1.35 liters of liquid in 25 seconds. So a goddess is in front of me. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for coming. Of course. Thanks for having me. (sighs) I'm so excited. Okay. Basic questions first. Mm -hmm. First time you squirted. Walk us through it. So the the first time I knew that I squirted, because like I like to say that the first time people squirt, often they don't realize it unless someone else alerts them of it or they have like a lot of evidence, like a wet mattress or right. spot or whatever that may be. And even then, sometimes they question it. So the first time I knew that I squirted, I was, it was 26 or 27, and I was with a lover who was going down on me and he alerted me to it. He was like, oh, you squirted. Is that a thing that you do? And I don't know if he intentionally said it this way or not, but I'm so thankful that he said it in such a neutral fashion that Mm -hmm. allowed me to form my own relationship with Mm -hmm. it instead of, you know, asserting like affirmations or negativity on it. Like, that's so hot. That's so gross. Mm -hmm. Could you not? Uh, And my response was like, I guess so. Um, and that, that was enough for him to be like, all right, I'll keep going. Um, and then I had a lot of physical evidence that I squirted. It was like I, des- I had destroyed a mattress. And then for reasons unrelated to that incident, um, I stopped seeing this person or this person stopped seeing me more so shortly thereafter. So I was left with this knowledge of my body can do this thing mm-hmm. that I didn't know it can do. What the fuck? Uh, also, what else do I not know? So what as the story I goes, I locked myself in my room and masturbated until I was able to replicate the same sensation that I had with him. And then it was just a series of discovery of how else can I do it? What else can I do with it? To like understanding my body more and more and more. And I think at first, when you discover you can squirt for a lot of people, there's the novelty of it. And it's really fun. It's a button I knew I could push. A lot of people seem to like it. It was fun for me because it felt good, even though it wasn't an orgasm. But then like, you know, over time and years goes on, the relationship with it becomes a lot more complicated. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, a lot of the time, I really hate it and wish I didn't do it. Okay, so (laughs) you started embracing it and being like, how can I make this work? Exploring your body. That's what happens when you explore your body. You test its limits. And with time it stopped being so cool. Yeah, because it was all the time. Mm. You you can't control it. Correct. Mm-hmm. I So I that was kind of how I got into educating because I wasn't really educating prior to that, but I really didn't like the way that people were talking about squirting, not from the squirter's perspective. And there was a lot to my experience and others that I have talked with that I could delve deeper into. So I created language for what I believe are two different types of squirters. So there's broad response and specific response. And I'm a broad response squirter. Okay, let's get into those. (laughs) Explain what those are to everyone. Yeah, so um, someone who's a specific response squirter is somebody who squirts due to a specific type of movement or technique and that is the way they squirt not all the time a person who's a broad response squirter when they reach a certain level of pleasure no matter it could be many different movements they are going to squirt and that's the kind that Mm. i am which means if i'm feeling good i'm squirting right (laughs) essentially a certain level of it it's it's all the time and i can't yeah i can't turn it off there's like you know a couple of things that i can do 
to try to limit it, but like it's sometimes it can be a losing battle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because when most people try to talk about squirting or teach squirting, it's the other kind where it's like, yes. oh, you know, G spot and clitoral stimulation and do this and that. And that's like specific. Correct. Technique. And it's squirting. all like yeah. penetration focus, which I hate because even some people who might not be specific response maybe their specific or like sorry even some people who are not broad response maybe their specific response is external and it's not internal Mm -hmm. everyone is completely different and that's Mm -hmm. how i like to teach my squirting education is that like everyone's gonna have a different way that they squirt yeah it's not one size fits all just like there's nothing in sex that's one size fits all literally okay and what is your opinion on can every vulva owner squirt or can some like really not so this is like, it's obviously a hard thing to definitively say, because all mm-hmm. you need is one person who's like, I can't do it. And right. it could still be, I can't do it now, because mm-hmm. I've encountered a lot, a lot of people who are in their 60s and 70s who discover they can do it then. And they're like, are you serious? Like, I could have done this the whole time and yeah. I just figured it out now. Mm-hmm. And I often find a lot of people like in after they give birth, discover they can because they're forced to have a relationship with their vulva. And they have to have understanding of their muscle groups because they're like, hm, I don't want to pee when I sneeze anymore. Um, <laughs> Literally, they have to strain their pelvic floor. Yeah, they, well, because they're forced yeah. to because yeah, yeah. their body just changed. Yeah. Um, so I think that every person with a vulva is capable of squirting if they have a good enough relationship with their vulva and understanding of their pelvic floor. Now, by understanding, I don't mean strong or strength. That's mm-hmm. what everyone assumes. But there, you have to have the full coordination of all of the movements mm-hmm. that the pelvic floor can make and the understanding of that so you would say it starts a lot with getting comfy with your genitals and like embracing <laughs> them like because even my clients some of the time i'm like do you know what your vulva looks like they're like no i'm afraid to look and i'm mm-hmm. like you, you you have to look it's your body that's the one you've got like it's yeah. yours it's your home but it's like uh-huh. the same thing with buttholes and anal sacs oh, yeah. like the first time you do it you're not really sure where your bowels are at where your holes at but like people who are you know seasoned anal pros they can be like today's a good day or today's not or like you know you get more of that understanding Mm -hmm. so like you know there's the level of someone who's done something a lot and there's the level of like an athlete and like i'm a squirting athlete there are also anal athletes (laughs) i love the warnings that you're using (laughs) okay let's talk about your world record because i need the full story i've heard The legend. I've oh. heard the anecdotes, but I need to hear it from you. <laughs> Literally yesterday. For the tall tales. Yeah. <laughs> I need to know everything. Uh, okay. So the world record kind of started out as like a joke mm-hmm. uh, a little bit. And I'm so I, I'm a very competitive person. I'm also one of the very few extremely sporty people mm-hmm. in the sex world, too. There are not many of us. Um, but yeah, I used to zombie. work with a researcher who within her squirting research said that the max amount of squirt a human could expel was 900 milliliters. And I was jokingly always like, yeah, but I could crush that. Like, I've never measured it, but I knew from experiencing and encountering with a lot of people that like I was a high volume bitch. Like I was of note. Um, And because like, you know, I didn't have that level of comparison. I interacted with some people who could squirt and I've like seen them, but no one was quite like me. Uh, So, and I also had like an extreme level of control. So I applied to Guinness because the record did not exist. Um, It existed for distance. It also exists for squirting milk out of your eye. Okay. Uh, There's a lot of other squirting records, but not this one. So I applied. When was this? What what year? This was, this was probably 2018. Okay. 
maybe 2017. Because I bet it's like a bunch of paperwork, bureaucracy, like a process. It's, or not I really. mean, it's an online process. It does ah. take like probably a couple of months, but it's not that it's not difficult. That they just came back to me and were like, no, we're a family organization. We can't do those kinds of records. So that kind of deterred me for a while. I think I like figured out that, okay, if I have enough journalists and witnesses and I do it to Guinness standards, I do it in the same structure with the time limit and the measurement, et cetera, then I could call it my own. There's, and, you know, you can, you can challenge me if you go to the same exact standards yeah. that I set the record mm-hmm. to. And I kind of sat on that for a while until a TV company approached me for doing an episode and like a documentary mm-hmm. about me. And I mentioned this. They're like, yeah, let's do it. So I was like, okay, I have the TV crew. Mm-hmm. I got to get the crowd and the journalists. And because I don't do things small, I made a whole <laughs> event around mm-hmm. it that was then called Kinky Carnival. And now it's called Cirque to Squirt. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there was a whole bunch of like performances, and carnival games. And then I was the the grand finale with Naturally, the measurement. Yeah. And again, I had never like measured how like I think a couple of days before I like I measured like 750 mil and that was without preparation because I've done squirting performances mm-hmm. but they weren't like you know measuring it was just more yeah. doing it within a certain number mm-hmm. um but I remember I asked my friend Tiana who I was like prepping for this with and I was like I don't think I can like squirt for an entire minute should I try to lengthen it out throughout the minute or should I just do it as fast as I can and she was like, yeah, it's going to be more impressive. Just do it as fast as you can. I was like, OK. Uh, so if that's where the 25 seconds comes in, too, because I'm like, that's, that's it's the fastest so I can do It's so impressive. <laughs> I, I, act, I just did a reel for a square blanket company. Mm-hmm. And my reel was like, Lola Jean holds the world record. Let's see if this blanket can hold the world record. And I had like the jug of water. Yeah. And I was like, I poured it as fast as I could. And I was like, holy shit. Like, this is impressive. Literally. It's wild because like when I do it, I do it into like a bucket and it mm-hmm. doesn't look like that much in the bucket. But then when they put that into like a funnel and into the measuring device, it's like, oh, my God. And I remember I just wanted to hit a liter because like it was a nice round number. Mm-hmm. It felt good and it beat science. So, you know, it's a record. And once I hit like a liter, I was like, I'm done. I'm good. I'm happy. And then it was like way more than that. Mm-hmm. It's like this. I'm also just impressed that I was able like because then I broke my own record mm-hmm. in well, like 2022. So I set it in 2019. I reset it by 100 milliliters in 2022. And I'm good for a while. That's amazing. <laughs> I, don't, I don't need to set it again. <laughs> okay. So is that when you were like, oh, let me capitalize this. Like, let me fucking record this and sell it. Or right. when was that? It Well, in general, because for my squirting performances, usually yeah. it's like, if you want to see, you got to see it in person. Because mm-hmm. every Cirque to Squirt, I will do a squirting performance. It's not yeah. always like breaking my record. Um, but I, I like that about it. And that's what makes me feel good and comfy about my body. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think because like the first one was my accidental first large scale event. Like I didn't mean to be an event producer, but <laughs> I sold out the venue and it was like over 300 tickets. So I'm like, yes, I got to do it again. Mm-hmm. Um, and just the way that everyone like, interacted with the games and you know you know straight cis dudes wearing strap-ons like it's no big deal because that's part of the game Mm -hmm. which is a very beautiful thing um but yeah with the oh for selling and capitalizing off it i mean that's the sex worker in me um but it's like if you do you want to buy a ticket here's how much the ticket is (laughs) but it's also because everyone wants to be like oh i need to see the video for educational purposes and the thing is is like when i squirt or if i do it in like a live squirting class sometimes i do it for shock and awe you're not going to learn anything from it. It's just for shock and all to be able to say, I don't know as much about squirting as I thought I did because this woman just did it in four seconds, didn't look like she came, 
but you squirted a whole lot. And like, that's the point of it is that mm-hmm. like, I after I do a performance or after I teach, I want you to be like, wow, I know nothing. Because we all know nothing. We, we no all one knows still anything. be learning. Yeah. If you're coming into this thinking you know everything there is to know about squirting, I'm still learning new things mm-hmm. about my bodies, about other people's bodies, like just different experiences and mm-hmm. whatnot. And I think that's that's what it mainly is. So honestly, like after you watch the world record video, I really don't care if you like it or not. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And so it usually doesn't come together with an orgasm for you. But can it? Yes. So what I say is if I'm if I'm orgasming, I'm probably squirting. Okay. If I'm squirting, I'm probably not orgasming. That makes sense. Yeah, because it's like when I reach a certain yeah. level of pleasure. So if I'm orgasming, I'm definitely reaching the level right. of pleasure. There's like, you know, there's a couple asterisks of there are ways I can or like sometimes I can orgasm without squirting. But usually it's together. And like squirting still feels really good. Mm-hmm. It's just different. Yeah. 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 It's a different sensation. OK. C- can we talk about when you did the world record, uh, what happened to your liquid? What happened to the squirt? Um, so this is just... I heard a rumor. <laughs> <laughs> we auctioned it off. Uh, and we had a... For the for the first one, for the like where I, when I set the world record initially. So we I squirted into the tub, which we poured into the funnel. And then we poured into the measuring device. And then we had a squirt sommelier come to... We saw the quantity, but we needed to know the quality. So someone all was, dressed up in one of those like top hatty kind of things. Just, like swishing it in the wine glass, <laughs> smelling it, and then assessed the, the quality what it had the essence of. Uh, and then we auctioned it off uh, to someone whose girlfriend was really not happy about it. <laughs> Ooh. And like the second time, we didn't have the sommelier, but we mm. did auction it off again. Yeah. Um, and then the person we auctioned it off to was like, I'm going to drink it in front of the crowd. And I was like, you don't have to do this. <laughs> I was like feeling so bad. I'm like, don't be yeah. a hero. It's so <laughs> much. Um, she didn't finish it. But then my bestie slash work wife, um, I made the mistake or the really great decision of giving her a megaphone um Uh. which usually when i give someone a megaphone i'm like have fun getting drunk with power uh (laughs) and then she just kind of you know pulled on her best sorority girl hazing um and was just getting people to like jug 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 until we've people finished it yeah yeah (laughs) oh my god that's just so fun like how did you come up with all the ideas for the event it's it's sommelier. Like, like what the fuck (laughs) this is like what all like me and my friends do is we're just like what if we did this thing (laughs) Wouldn't that be funny? And like the basis of a lot of the Cirque to Square games are we take a game that exists and we find a way to fuck it up. Mm. So I have like with the new series of Cirque to Square, I have a game manager, Rose, and she builds all the games. She comes up with a ton of the ideas and like it would not be half of what it is without her because like the Rose? games just keep getting like bigger and weirder. And I just love that I can be like, can we do this thing? And she's like, yes. Give me 20 minutes at Home Depot. <laughs> That's the best kind of people. I have a lot of those in my life, luckily. That's amazing. Yeah. Okay. We've said the name like 20,000 times already. <laughs> what is Cirque du Squirt? How did it start? And what is it now? So Cirque du Squirt is a yearly event. I tried doing it two times in a year in 2022. It was like a month ago, right? It yeah, was, yeah, yeah. September. Mm-hmm. I think September is going to be our, our date pretty much. It seems to work well. I did it twice one year and I was like, I'm never doing that again. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Only once. It's a very yeah. big production. It is a labor of love. It's a lot to put together. It's a lot of people to hire mainly too. Um, but Cirque to Squirt is like 
a combination kinky carnival slash freak show. There's a ton of different carnival games with our sex carnies that are running them that are just going on throughout the night that you can play for free. Uh, And then we have our performances and Cirque du Squirt performances in general, when I like hand select people for them, curate it, sometimes there's brand new acts that only appear at Cirque du Squirt and that is it. But the way I like to curate them is I tell people like regular burlesque acts do not cut it. You can't just be like, here's a titty, here's my butt, I'm Mm -hmm. sexy. I want people to be so moved that they have to leave the room, that they're like, holy shit, I can't believe that happened. What am I watching? No one's going to believe me. Like, that's the stuff that I want to see happen. Mm -hmm. I want to make people question their sexuality, questioning their identity, questioning their life's decisions, uh, like all of these different pieces. Mm-hmm. And I mean, some of it's even hard for me to watch that I won't like, especially yeah. there's I we have trigger warnings uh, mm-hmm. when there's going to be either genitals or bodily fluids, like including blood. Mm-hmm. That tends to be the one that people are like, I'm going to leave the room. <laughs> and I think that's that's a beautiful thing. When I started performing at the box, the very first show I went, somebody sewed their vulva shut and people were people left people left the room people were like i cannot believe this and i was like that is such an amazing thing that yeah. a performer can cause people to be that like offended shocked mm-hmm. disgusted all of those things if you're inciting an emotion like yeah. that is an intense experience that's the goal of art to yeah. like make you feel anything exactly so i love that yeah so yesterday i had tawny here yeah. and she was like lola and like lets people embrace their freakiness like she will open up spaces that are safe and people can be freaky and whatever they want to be they can be there so like is that what is was that your goal for this event or it's just a beautiful consequence of it or both (laughs) it's i mean the best things happen by accident and then you kind of realize and cultivate whatever was created by accident I feel like. So it's a lot of throwing spaghetti at the wall and then like, okay, this is happening. Let me roll with it. Mm -hmm. Let me adjust to the way that people are responding. And with the first Cirque to Squirt, like a lot of it was really just like, I have this weird idea. Wouldn't this be silly? I would like to see this happen. So I'm going to make it happen. That's also what domination is to me most of the time too. And the really unique thing at the very first Cirque to Squirt, which was called Kinky Carnival, where I set the first world record, was there was a lot of people that were just shamelessly sharing things on social media of like, look, I'm playing like pin the strap on into the butthole and like I'm wearing a strap on and doing this thing where like normally that's something that's like whether it's taboo or it's something that would be embarrassing. Like people didn't have that because it's a game. It's fun. And this is Mm -hmm. if you want to win the game, you have to play this thing. And when you can stop worrying about those and also being able to like, you know, take a picture and have it not just be the salacious thing. There's I try to make all of my parties and events Firstly, something that doesn't feel pretentious, that feels accessible, that doesn't feel like you have to dress up to show off, like Mm -hmm. it's really come as you are, but also because I was like single for so long and felt like events were inaccessible to me, I like to make them fun to show up alone. Like you don't even have to come with friends. Mm -hmm. So that's why like the sex carnies are there. I love that. You can go play the game with the sex carnies. Mm -hmm. You don't have to have a friend to play cock ring toss. Play with the sex carny. Mm -hmm. And if you're not doing that, you can watch the show. There's so many things that you can enjoy Mm -hmm while being alone and not necessarily being pressured to like make friends meet people mm-hmm. because it's also like events where you feel pressured of like i need to find somebody to fuck them yeah. i need to like hunt blah. like that makes a very like unsafe and awkward environment mm-hmm. yeah 
That's great. You're creating so many spaces, not just Cirque du Squirt, but you're hosting play parties as well. Yeah, which and are also evolving from what I originally yeah. intended them to be. Okay, so let's talk more about that because I heard that they're being focused more on like sober play parties and just a bit different than your usual play party. So yeah, tell us. and it's a lot of like, you know, create the kind of thing that you would want to go to if mm -hmm. it doesn't exist mm -hmm. as well. But it's you know, all of the feedback from the people that attend really help it evolve. And it's not to say, like, everyone who has an opinion, I accommodate it because some people's opinions are not good. Um, <laughs> not but sometimes, like, people have, like, oh, yeah, that's a really good point. Oh, everyone's responding to this thing. Mm -hmm. So it started as I never wanted to host a play party, believe it or not, because I was like, I'm going to worry about everyone's safety so much. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be such a helicopter mom. And, like, I was. And I'm getting a bit better at it. But it's I'm learning more about, like, creating spaces so that in order for the space to work for people they have to act and participate or not participate in a certain way otherwise it's going to feel weird for them and they're going to leave and like mm -hmm. good um that means it's not for you it's not for you <laughs> and so initially um lt and i who we do a lot of like wrestling and play fighting series together we held our first one in february of 2020 went great sold out it was really cute i think maybe one couple fucked but everyone had a great time and it was like play fighting and wrestling themed mm -hmm. we were gonna do it again in april of 2020 i believe but we all know what happened there mm -hmm. so after a hiatus um brought it back again and this time i think because i was like very worried about you know people drinking or doing drugs and then doing something so physical because if you're going to do wrestling or choking or anything like that like you can't be on any substances you can't be drinking you can't be on drugs it makes it incredibly unsafe on so many levels so the easy solution was like this is a dry party and mm -hmm. i mean i guess coincidentally or not when i go to play parties i don't drink um, i don't like playing with people that are on drugs or drunk it's just it's not fun for me mm -hmm. uh so and that also helps me as an organizer. I don't have to worry about people getting too drunk and then that blurring lines of consent or, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So then this continued to evolve where we had a lot of instructionals that people liked. Um, but also I started to flirt with the idea of doing it in the daytime and that people really loved. So yeah, no one wants to go to a fucking play party at 1 a.m. It's just not it. And we like want it at 3 p.m. Because I would still start my night ones earlier than most parties would. I'm like, okay, it starts at 8, it ends at 1, but that still means I have to clean up and I go home later. And the next day you're tired, yeah. your sleep schedule's fucked up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm so a was day. Like, this I'm a is great because then I get to end earlier, they get to end earlier. But also it just brings like a whole different attitude. So now it's evolved from like a play fighting party to daytime playtime where it's mm -hmm. just encouraging play, whatever that means to you. Whether it means I get to do this in the novelty of the daytime, I I get to kind of play and wrestle and use more of my body or just being silly, mm -hmm. whatever that is. And like, I've also gotten compliments on like that our music isn't too loud because mm -hmm. I love talking to people at play parties. I hate having to scream. Yeah. It's like, I yeah. need to communicate with you. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. So there's so many things that I just do because I prefer them or like, mm -hmm. apparently I have a good snack situation, which is just mostly gummy bears. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Okay, and how did people respond to the no drinking, no drugs rule at your spaces? They really loved it. Mm -hmm. I think it's a lot of the same concerns where, like, it, it, you know, it's not necessarily sober people. It's people who maybe are uncomfortable playing with people while they are intoxicated or someone else is intoxicated mm -hmm. or, or having to worry about that at all. And I think it just makes a really different environment. 
it was funny because I went and got sodas before the party and the only diet soda I could find or diet Pepsi was caffeine free and someone was just like oh I just thought you were like really strict about substances <laughs> and I was like no I don't really care about caffeine like I, we can have coffee here next time we'll Aww. figure it out I um, love it but yeah it's it's been a really great response to it I think a lot of people because I think the only other daytime parties that are very prevalent because there aren't many at all are still like you know boozy brunch kind of things yeah, I know one space that does sober brunches, but mm. and I love it, but it's still not that common or like even sober spaces for queer people in general. Yeah. And I love that you're doing it. It's yeah. amazing. And it's really just because that's, that's the space that I want. I do have a lot of sober people in my life, mm-hmm. whether that is intentional or not. Um, it's yeah, I, it's something where like I like in my personal life, I don't drink that much. Mm-hmm. I like to smoke weed a lot and I'll do it at events and, and whatnot, too. And it's fine for me to go to events like that, but I think it just takes a huge worry away from people. Especially as the organizer as well. Yeah. Because consent. <laughs> Truly, yeah. I just, I don't have to worry, like, because now I have to worry about cer- kicking people out for certain reasons mm-hmm. and being too drunk is, I mean, it, it is one of them, but it's <laughs> it's not as concerning because it'll be really obvious because like, mm-hmm. hey, you're not supposed to drink. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I, it's not because play parties have to be BYOB. But my BYOB is like a soft drink. <laughs> yeah. I'm like mocktails. Yeah, right. <laughs> okay. So you're a dom. Yes. Professional and a bit of lifestyle, though. I feel like after you do it for a while, it's like, eh, it blurs the lines a little bit, but it's like mostly professional. Literally, my professional and personal life feel like the same. Because this is my job. <laughs> it blurs. It blur- it's yeah. helpful to have some boundaries, but it does start to blur okay, a lot. Okay. I forgot to mention that when I introduced you, but you are a dom, yes. professional dom. How did you get into it? How did you find out? So I got into everything at the same time. It was like this period of discovery of my life. I call it my like second sexual revolution in my mid mid 20s, somewhere around there. And I was miserable at my job and I was trying to find another job or something and it wasn't working out. And I was like, okay, you know what? I need to quit this job and I'm in a waitress. And that was the same time that I was kind of really discovering this new side of my sexuality, going to sex parties, getting into kink, like just being open and down, which like kind of have been my whole life. So (laughs) it was just now doing that in New York. Um, But anyway, during that time, I got fired from the waitressing job because I have a problem with authority. That'll be my first clue that I'm a brat. And I was just trying to find jobs I didn't hate while I could figure out what I wanted to do with my life. And that was the goal. So I just picked up odd jobs Mm -hmm. everywhere. Things on Craigslist. Like I would just, you know, I went to an educator's class. I was like, hey, do you need help with stuff? I can Mm -hmm. do some like marketing, social media stuff, et cetera. And I just picked up a bunch of odd jobs again with the goal of, okay, let me find jobs I don't hate. And I got into like fetish wrestling, which is what I primarily do as a dom now sex education, assisting with another sex educator, um, and then working at a commercial dungeon, being a pro-dominatrix, all at the same time within like a couple months of each other. Wow. Yeah. And it was through like, there's someone who I'm still like in contact and very close with now, but I had met him on Tinder and he was the one who's, he's a submissive and he got me really like interested and curious in domination, specifically in like, he was into a lot of humiliation, degradation. Mm -hmm. And I was like, let me look into a few things. I was like, oh, wow, turns out I, this is really fun. And I'm I really love that. good at it. And that's when I was like, OK, maybe I can do this to make money since I'm mm-hmm. trying to, you know, cobble together rent, mm-hmm. essentially. And so that's that's how all of it 
happened. I love it. I okay. wasn't intending to do any of it. It just, yeah, it just came about. And I was like, opportunity? Why not? Let's try. And you're amazing at it. <laughs> so you were, and you're so competitive. You're like, this is, I'm great at this. So mm -hmm. let me just fucking do this. Yeah. And it's also like now to recognizing the things that I'm good at and the things that I'm not good at and the things mm -hmm. I don't have to do. <laughs> Truly. Okay. So what is fetish wrestling? So fetish wrestling is, it's not wwe like wrestling that mm -hmm. is a dance that people choreograph and yeah. learn and practice it's fake <laughs> um because people just think like okay i can go all out mm -hmm. but fetish wrestling is a take on you know on wrestling or play fighting usually utilizing jujitsu um because like even in mma jujitsu is king it's mm -hmm. also really great because no matter what your body size is you can learn to use that to your advantage or someone else's to their disadvantage because like i'm strong but I am small. Mm -hmm. So I need to use that effectively against someone who is larger than me, bigger than me, or also potentially stronger than me. Especially mm -hmm. if they have no jujitsu experience, they're done. <laughs> um, and I got into it in a happenstance way where most people who get into it have a jujitsu or MMA background, find out this is a racket and then get into this. Mm. I found out this is a racket and then I was <laughs> like, okay, I need to learn some jujitsu. And mm. then I found like a lot of community from that too. And I'm like, I mean, I probably play myself down, but like I am not as skilled as so many of my friends, but I also have like some of the strongest quads for many of my friends too. Mm. Um, but essentially it is just wrestling, usually men for money. And a lot of it, there's a, most of the wrestling involves choking. There's different types of wrestling. So there's competitive, semi-competitive, which is my favorite and usually the best. And then fantasy, which can be anything from like role playing to I want to do this one thing for an hour. Just the one thing. Um, like but, what, what one thing? Oh, like, I mean, asked? a lot of times it could be like smothering or right. scissor holds mm -hmm. or choking. Um, or I've done some really fun ones where I was like, um, I had to be in a cat suit and I was like a karate person. I had to say, aya, like the whole time. That was yeah. pretty fun. I did one where I was like a secret agent um, and I had to like narrate my thoughts as well, which was very hard. Yeah. Uh, but that was pretty fun. Yeah. Like, I mean, not like a ton of it. I'm probably mm -hmm. not the yeah. one to go to for like role play and stuff. My whole thing is like condescension, trash talk. Like if, if you want a good like verbal thrashing, mm -hmm. the way I describe my sessions is that I'm playing a game of cat and mouse mm -hmm. where I'm the cat and you're the mouse and I'm going to throw your lifeless body around the room so I can play with you for longer. Mm -hmm. Have you ever had a cat? Yeah. they do that shit. Yeah, no, they do. <laughs> but my cats used to bring me all the dead shit that they fucking hunted. And they're like, keep playing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> mm -mm. But yeah. I had dogs do that too to me as yeah. well. So I but see yeah. what you're saying. I started, uh, when I started learning jujitsu from LT, who I teach with now, um, I started like using it a lot in my sex life or just certain mm -hmm. moves and like there was I had a lover who was a Brazilian man who had a black belt and mm -hmm. I was like you know it'd be fun if you could just like pretend I win but he was like <laughs> way too good at his craft yeah. but like it's really fun and hot for someone to be like pinning you down or forcing body parts like opened or closed in mm -hmm. a way that is safe and controlled mm -hmm. and I think that's what a lot of people don't realize is like you need to learn a lot of the skills in order to make it safe and controlled if you're just like hey let's play fight with each other mm -hmm. like someone can so easily get hurt yeah and like I did not have good health insurance or any at the time so <laughs> very careful with it wow yeah I learned jiu-jitsu when I was 15 and I was a child I had never had sex before but I remember thinking this is so sexual like <laughs> It was. And I remember my professor who was now so inappropriate. She was like fucking 35 and he wanted to give, he offered me private lessons for free. 
and he was just rubbing his body against me and I was like is this actually jujitsu like what is going on so it was extremely sexual yeah well because offensively you want to be close to your person so it gives them less room to escape so it's like inherently close also with a lot of like the holds and chokes there's a lot of crotches and face Mm -hmm. yeah it's just inherently sexual it is sexual Wow. But it, it, only if you want it to be. Obviously, this thing is done in a professional and like competitive yes, yes, manner. Yes, 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 yes. When I started teaching it, it's funny because like I would, I would have more classes where people would be like, "I don't want to be paired with like a man that was a cis man. I only want to be paired with a woman." And it's like you realize what we're doing here is the weird one, yeah. right? <laughs> like you usually that is what you're paired with. Um, yeah. And yeah, we don't we don't do that as much anymore. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of thing. It's like you create that space and it's like, okay, if you're not cool with being paired with someone with the same gender for something that's not inherently sexual, then mm-hmm. like maybe this isn't the space for you. If you're just looking for us True. to Barbie and Ken your head together with someone yeah, else. Yeah, do not take advantage of other people just because you're playing a close contact sport. Yeah. <laughs> but like when I was 15, it looked extremely sexual to me. <laughs> okay. Let's talk about being a brat <laughs> yeah. and the misconceptions people have about brats. Yeah, it's... God, when I started talking more publicly about being a brat and then you know teaching classes because i i have been mistreated and there have been a lot of conceptions about me that like makes it really hard to play with people because they think they understand brats because everyone wants to think i know everything there is to know about Mm -hmm. kink even though it's different from person to person but connecting with other people who are like yeah no one gets this shit is really really rewarding so Here's the assumption. Assumption is that a brat is somebody who wants to be punished. A brat is somebody who acts out or disobeys because they want you to specifically spank them or hit them, which is one one type of brat. But when that is the assumption, people think that like they want to make you feel bad or that you're submissive. And then, you know, if people would do that to me, I would go mute and quiet and it's like okay technically I'm doing what you're saying but I'm having a horrible time Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't trust you again because what I want to do when I brat is I want to play I want to have fun I want to play physically I want to play verbally and mentally and like I need you to let me do that when you try to subdue it I'm not playing Mm -hmm. so I introduce different types of motivations for brats of why they might be bratting and it's not like a also one size fits all usually brats will like harbor a couple of different motivations Mm -hmm. and some of them might just be early in the relationship someone might be all the time but that way it gives people tools where they can communicate that of like and questions of this is what i'm looking for when i brat Mm -hmm. here's what my bratting looks like here's what i want you to do um and then conversely on the other side is that like just because you're a brat doesn't mean you can also do whatever you want Mm -hmm. so you need to know of like what are the signs of how will i know when i've pushed you too far how will i know when i've hit a button that you don't want me to hit how can we negotiate if I want a certain reaction from you when I do things that you're able to give that and know when I want it, but I'm not going to like piss you off completely. Mm-hmm. Communication, communication, yeah. fucking communication. Exactly. Instead of this assumption. Yeah. And also it's like the words with like, you know, that ancient kink test on like fat life that everyone still uses to Wait. try to figure out what things they like in kink. Or not BDSM.org or it's whatever like the BDSM it is. test. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, where it's like you are this percent rope bunny yeah, and this yeah, percent yeah. this. Um so yeah, with that it's always like brat tamer. And it's like mm-hmm. well that word is just like a brat needs to be tamed and like some of us want to be feral. Mm-hmm. You know? And just yeah, don't captivity me. a little mm-hmm. bit. Um or like, you know, we need to be able to run wild a little mm-hmm. and I just that even just that word makes us assumption. Or also yeah. that like, you know, people are like, oh, I don't like brats. They don't do what I want. It's like, that just means you can't handle us, which is fine. 
maybe you were, you know, that's too much chaos and you can't handle chaos, but like some other people can or some other people like chaos. Mm-hmm. That's great. It's the same with degradation or humiliation. A lot of people love to be humiliated with like being called a little dirty whore that's just, you know, a body for pleasure or whatever. But if you call them stupid or yeah. like, oh, that's why your mom doesn't talk to you. Or like you yeah. go into the person it's like, okay, wait, I'm going to cry. Like, don't tell me that. Yeah. So same degradation. Like it, it's all degradation, but like you need to ask them specifically what kind they like because you can get in yeah. trouble and they're going to start crying. I would well, cry if someone told me that. It's the same thing where it's just like, you know, like, oh, I really like being submissive. It's like, okay, but mm-hmm. what is submission? What does submission mean to mm-hmm. you? Because everyone is like so personal and has their own experience that like you have to be able to pull from them to understand what it means, especially like, you know, uh, people that are socialized as men tend not to be as good as identifying their feelings or going beyond like, how do you want to feel? And they just say horny, hot, good. Those answers are not good enough and they do not tell us things. True. Which is why like my work wife and I developed a kink feelings chart so that they could point to like the face that's making the emotion. And it's like, I want to feel nervous. I want to feel adored. Mm-hmm. I I want to feel like small, whatever the words are, because like we need that to be able to understand it better. And like, it's fine if you don't understand it initially, but we sometimes we're just so self-conscious of like, what does it mean if I assign this word or I just want to do the thing. Can we just do the thing? It's mm-hmm. like, well, not if you just tell me you want to feel horny and submissive. What is that yeah. for you? Yeah. <laughs> what porn are you referring to? <laughs> okay. Speak about communicating all of this. Let's talk about dirty talk. Yeah. Because everyone wants to be good at it, but no one knows what the fuck to do or say. Yeah. And like, honestly, I'm even going beyond this because I think some people like even if they take my free, free dirty talk class that you can take on my my website, like L- some people... Lolajean.com. Lolajean.com. It's really hard to forget since it's all of my social media handles. <laughs> <laughs> um, but even even if they have that and they have the confidence of like what to do, how to stall effectively, so you can still like, you know, use different pieces, you can still be able to have really hot play with no words or using like, you know, animal play and like grunting yeah. or biting or something like that like there are ways I just like my my partner is like the words just fluster him so much mm-hmm. of having to think of something and the mm-hmm. right thing and it feels like acting it's like okay then we'll find a kind of play that's not yeah but for dirty talk I think it's the same assumptions of thinking like brats or degradation of that it has to be mean mm-hmm. um, or it has to be like you know sexual completely and really what it is it's just like words that we can use to like incite arousal and excitement which like that is a broad fucking definition yes we can make that to be so many things and kind of similar to like what does submission feel to you or what does dominance feel like to you i like to take a really broad approach to dirty talk so i'm not you know leading the witness yeah (laughs) well think about what you like to hear when you're having sex and then you can ask the person hey what do you like to hear what do you like to be called or what noises do you like the one thing that I cannot handle is silent sex. Like, at least breathe hard. Like, you have to do something. But if it's completely silent, I can't. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, I fucking hate it. <laughs> yeah, I'm liking, like, the growling. I like biting a lot, too. Growling's fine. Yeah, yeah. do some, something. I have something. a problem where um, when my partner's about to come, I want to laugh so hard, mm-hmm. like, in excitement. But that ruins his experience. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's the point where I'm like, 
all right, I got to get my energy out and talk. So I'm just always just like, you're so hot. I love this. Yeah. And like just on and on. I might yeah. do the same thing over yeah. and over again, but I'm like, do not laugh. Do not mm-hmm. laugh. Get it out in words. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. I think it's also, it can help with nerves. I yeah. think just talking, 100%. even if you're not saying like the hottest thing, you're communicating, you're being in the moment instead of letting your mind go elsewhere or in your head, right? You're focusing on what you're doing. Yeah. So it's a great tool for that yeah, as well. Just do what I do. Be like, you're so hot. I love your body. You feel so good. <laughs> <laughs> that's the best thing. It's like better than laughing. <laughs> Don't laugh at them unless they like laughing. it. <laughs> I tend to smile a lot, but because I'm so happy, I'm having such a good time. And are you laughing at me? And I'm like, no, I'm just, I'm just happy to well, be no, here. I, like, apparently it, it, it looks like, I, like he said the funniest thing that anyone's ever said to me. That is my reaction. <laughs> <laughs> you actually laugh out loud. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. hundred yeah, percent. Well, it's just like, yeah, it's just, it's the way you. his body reacts is like really intense. So it's always like, it's like, looks like he's about to erupt. Yeah. There's like one other person I've hooked up with and she does that too. But like, I think it's just because it's my partner. Yeah. That I'm just like, <laughs> no, honestly, when the event space owner comes it's a show. Yeah. It's a show. Mm-hmm. I'm like mesmerized. I'm like, what are how are you doing that? I wanna feel what you do. Yeah. My orgasms are nothing compared to yours. Yeah. It's so cool. I like when people have an I had a client once who um I would hold him up against the wall and like bully him until he came in his pants. Mm-hmm. And once he No did, touching? He would touch himself. Okay, okay, yeah. okay. Um and once he came, he would like burst out into hysterical laughter. Mm-hmm. And like, I wasn't alerted to it beforehand. So, mm-hmm. like, after he was done, I was like, what was that? Yeah. And he was like, oh, I just said, uh, it's a knee jerk reaction. I do that mm-hmm. when I come. I was mm-hmm. like, that was amazing. Mm-hmm. Please do that every time. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> now that I know what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. And then you join him laughing. <laughs> yeah. It was great. I was just like, you're having a full experience. Mm-hmm. And that's wonderful. I, yeah. I love when you can actually see like their full body reacting it's it's just so hot to watch yeah like or anything that's i don't anything that doesn't feel put on Mm -hmm. i've been like ruined a bit by porn of anything that seems like a bit theatrical or put Mm -hmm. on and i understand that sometimes we have to do that to get ourselves into it as well but i think that's also why these really organic natural moments are also Mm -hmm. so hot yeah okay i asked about the touching because i'm just obsessed that some people just find out they can come without touching themselves oh just yeah with, like getting their throat fucked or or well breath play like you know yeah. but i'm just i love it I especially love like it. if you build up the teasing like yeah. if you build up that then the eruption like i mean that can also be like i've given like ruined orgasms mm-hmm. that way too mm-hmm. where it's like there's no touching and like or the touching ceases at that moment mm-hmm. but yeah or even with like internal orgasms mm-hmm. There's so many different ways to do it. Yeah. It's very cool. Yeah. I heard about someone that if you hold her hand, she'll squirt. Like, it's so sensual. Like, if she's in the mood, obviously. But, like, that alone can make her squirt. Yeah. So, it's bodies are amazing. Just never stop exploring your body. It's great. (laughs) Okay. uh, What are some tips for people that are ashamed to squirt? How can they embrace it? So, I think of figuring out like I think shame is like a big thing with sex in general um and I think one thing with shame is first figuring out where are you practicing shame onto others mm-hmm. in your life because a lot of the time it's you know like hurt people hurt people so like shamed people shame people so I think the first step for any kind of shame you're feeling is figuring out where are you participating with shaming other people what are ideals that you have about others that you know 
this is gross or wrong. Like I hear that so much with kink of like this one's hot, but that one's weird. Like mm-hmm. where are you participating with that that you can stop? Because if you can practice that onto others, maybe mm-hmm. you can to yourself. With squirting in general, when I teach it or helping people foster it, I really I mean, it was my journey, but I recommend it to others of like figuring this out by yourself. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it's fun to do with a partner, but especially if there's any hangups or things around it, and especially with learning, that's your body. If you, whether you squirt with a other person, like you can do it by yourself. Your body is the one who did it. It mm-hmm. doesn't matter if it was fingers, a dildo, whatever. So figuring that out and becoming comfortable via masturbation on your own, because then also you don't have to worry about someone else's opinion, because mm-hmm. all that is is like someone else's shame or opinion that's just a projection of their own feelings it has nothing to do with you it has nothing to do with anyone else Mm -hmm. and realizing that like oh you seem to have a relationship with squirting that you need to unpack okay would you uh suggest that people let others know that they're a squirter uh just to like prepare for it or not really but sometimes it depends it de- on the situation. It depends. I think it also depends if it's an all the time thing, a sometimes thing. Mm-hmm. I used to not tell people and I'm like, oh, it'll be a fun surprise. And then I got different reactions from it. And I was like, I don't want to have to deal with that. And like mm-hmm. after practice, then it became something of like, OK, I want to tell someone beforehand to see how they're going to react to it because mm-hmm. I don't want to be a spectacle. Maybe you right. do at the time and that's fun. And, you know, do you mm-hmm. if you want to be a spectacle. Um, but also I want to like weed out people who are just like, could you maybe not do it um and and figure out of like i want someone to, i really want someone to approach it with indifference right i want a like, squirter okay yeah let's lay down a fucking towel mm-hmm. about me so you know how to prepare or mm-hmm. when it happens and as my uh, current boyfriend will say is like you are never quite ready for the first time um they always always almost drown um they're just like oh it'll be fine i can handle them I'm like mm-hmm. no you cannot mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> like you <laughs> do not squirt on my face no you you, you can't nope, you'll nope. die you're not gonna want that uh <laughs> So, I mean, it's really up to each person, but I think if you're trying to save yourself from having to deal with people, because like you don't have to be a hero, you don't have to change everyone's mind, you don't have to help everyone's relationship with sex and squirting and messy sex, you don't have to solve everyone's misogyny, like that is your choice if you want to take that on. Um, But if it's something you don't want to deal with, like, yeah, say these things up front see how they deal with it, mm-hmm. and then move along. Yeah. You know, if you're able to do that. If it's something you're like, I really want to work through with this person because I like them, like, mm-hmm. that's on you. But I was at a stage where I didn't want that. I wanted someone, my top, like, value in a person that I wanted because I went through the whole Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous and I got my values list, I got my sobriety list. But I was like, I need someone who's able to have difficult conversations mm-hmm. and hold in them and not run away from them. Because if we can do that, we can talk about anything and we can get through anything. I need to be able to talk about literally anything with with people. Yeah. Not even my partners, my friends. Like Mm -hmm. I need to be able to say anything I want. Yeah. But not not hurtful, but like, you know, (laughs) conversation, hard conversations. Yeah. And sex tends to be one that people avoid because it's uncomfortable and they're like, but I want it to be sexy. I don't want it to be Mm -hmm. difficult or conversation or blah, blah, blah. Yeah. 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 But it is hard. It's work. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I, I really, I realize I like, I used to see people who fetishize it a lot. So like, ooh, fun, mm-hmm. like fetishizing the thing that I do. It's about me. Mm-hmm. But I think like a lot of people who are fetishized, uh, that gets old. Uh, and you're just like, okay, but like I'm a person too. Or like, I don't want to have to perform. And it's not you. J- j- all you are. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I was just like, sometimes I don't squirt though. And mm-hmm. I don't want to have to. Or I don't want to mm-hmm. feel like pressured to. Mm-hmm. Like, let's just let it happen when it happens. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I love it. So, Okay. 
let's talk about all the fake doms that are out there that identify or call themselves oh i'm a dom you know i'll mm-hmm. put you in place or whatever the fuck yeah. they say um what are some resources like someone actually wants to be good at domination what should they learn what should they be doing non-negotiable okay uh well i think firstly there's a lot tied up with being a dom especially if it comes to masculinity mm-hmm. so it's just like the, because there's connotations with being a sub right like being you know slay boy beta cock or any whatever <laughs> all of that stuff is and there's like a lot of shame associated with it and then also thinking like i'm a dom maybe because i don't want to be in those experiences or I'm not allowing myself to be or what I really enjoy. But I think everyone, no matter what side of the slash you think you are, I think a lot of people that want to do dom sub stuff don't actually want to have those power dynamics. I recommend, firstly, practice kink without power dynamics. Power dynamics are so messy and there's so much that comes with it. You're always going to have an inherent inherent power dynamic of giver and receiver that's going to be there. Don't add more beyond that. Mm-hmm. Have it be just kink dynamics. You can do a bunch of kinky things as that. And then if you feel the necessity to add in power dynamics, ask yourself why that is. Ask yourself what it gives you. Ask yourself what it gives someone else. Because I think a lot of people want to just like do things because maybe it looks hot mm-hmm. or they think that's what they're supposed to do. They've seen it somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Or like even I think it's just this need to like be kinky to feel cool uh-huh. or something like everyone the first thing they well, do it. but also because we shame vanilla people so much exactly. it's like it's fine if you like vanilla sex like yeah. you're perfectly fine you don't have to be kinky if you don't want to be kinky there's a thing in the pro dom community right now of people feeling like they have to be the most extreme mm-hmm. to be valid and it's just like sometimes the most extreme stuff looks like nothing the mm-hmm. most intense things or experiences and like i mean the first thing i did when i got into kink like everyone does they're like impact flag because that's the stuff that's most visual and fun and we can get into and mm-hmm. I thought I liked it but it, it was really just novelty that I liked it was something like new and different and I got attention and I love attention but you know what I don't like pain um, or being hit mm-hmm. really like nothing about that super fun to me and I was like oh I can get attention in so many other ways yeah <laughs> um, but we don't ask ourselves these questions of what do I enjoy about this is it the physical sensation is it the attention is it the I'm being bad is it I'm doing something I'm not supposed to do and really questioning, like, am I into this novelty piece of it? Because mm-hmm. that can really confuse us. Mm-hmm. So it's really getting down to the why and feelings over activities. And honestly, like with that, too, I really don't care what the dom is into because it's about the submissive and figuring out something that fits. Because mm-hmm. not every submissive is for every dominant. Correct. The submissive figures out, here's how I want to feel. And then maybe we can figure out together, here are some activities we can do that will help elicit that feeling. And then based on all of that, based on the feeling, based on the activities we find, I can determine if that's a person I want to play with or not. Because there's, you know, certain types of submissives, if they're all just like masochists and want physical pain, I'm just like, eh, I don't really think that one's for me as much. You want to do some mental torture and pain? Like that (laughs) that might be more up my alley. Mm -hmm. Um, But we feel this need that we have to satisfy all of the things of our person or I want this so you should give this to me yeah and I think a lot of people end up calling things fetishes Mm -hmm. because we also make this assumption that fetish is necessary for orgasm so that means you have to do it because you have to make me orgasm which one that puts orgasm too much within kink which it does not have to be about but also like we don't have to do things for people Mm -hmm. 
Like, and also just because you say something's a fetish doesn't mean you got some shit to unpack there. Literally, I hear me like, oh, it all stems from trauma. No, it doesn't. No, it's, no. Sometimes it's just fucking fun. Do okay. I, do I? Is my mustache fetish from trauma? <laughs> no. <laughs> right? Truly. Like, no, like you don't necessarily mean, need therapy, even though please go to therapy. But your kinks are fine. They don't need to be unpacked. Kink is not a replacement for therapy. Mm-hmm. Kink is also, kink is not healing inherently or people saying that it is that doesn't mean like it's not healing for you but it also means that it's not invalid if it isn't healing it can just be pervy weird fun and that's fine and just as valid yes and i think a lot of the times when people say that what they're thinking is like kink is a space where i can like be myself and feel me and feel validated but you know what a lot of people say that about burning man too and both of these if you can feel validated there, you can find ways to be validated outside of it, mm-hmm. too. That might be the first place where you feel safe because you have an individual you were able to tell all of your boundaries and this and that, too. But, like, it is not the only place. And that also doesn't make it a substitute for therapy. Yes. Everyone should be in therapy. But also find your community. If that's yeah. the only space you could feel safe, find your safe space Truly. that is non-sexual, like munches or whatever it is, like, it makes a difference. You need people that you can speak about these things with. And that doesn't mean you have to uh, tell your religious circle to fuck off. You can still see them. But like, if you have an outlet, if you have kinky friends, that will be amazing. Truly, you And you need you need kinky friends. That's yeah. such a good point. Because like you cannot be dependent on the people you are fucking or dating to be the only outlet you have for kink that puts so much on them. And also what happens if you stop seeing that person? You need kinky friends. You also need kinky friends because that helps with vetting. Because if you're just like, nope, I just want the person that I'm going to like have sex with to be the only person that's my kinky outlet. Mm-hmm. Like you have no one else to vouch for you to be like, oh, they're cool. I've seen them around. Like we've, we've hung out. Yeah. We go to things Who's together. Who's going to point out the red flags if they have any? <laughs> yeah, truly. Yeah, truly. When I was talking to you mm-hmm. to prepare for this. <laughs> although I, I do that regularly, honestly. I don't know what I'm saying. Um. And I love because I speak about this all the time. Mm-hmm. Normalizing oral or anything else, fingering, whatever the fuck it is after intercourse. Like, sex does not end when you come. It ends when you want it to end. So tell me your <laughs> thoughts. Truly. I mean, it's it's different for every person with a vagina. But, like, me and my vagina, like, rarely come from penetrative sex. Um, sometimes, maybe-ish, usually not. So it's usually stuff beforehand and afterwards that it's going to happen. And that's mm-hmm. going to be the case for a lot of people that really depends on the distance from their clitoris to their vaginal opening of how much contact is that getting. And also, like, I just have when things are inside of me, it's it's just really hard for me to orgasm. Like, yeah. just in general, it doesn't matter because you maybe you're, you're touching my clit while something's inside mm-hmm. of me, but I still just have a, it's just mm-hmm. a lot harder for me to do. So there's that piece of it. But also, I think it's like for honestly it's really just cis men um because i don't think queer people have a hard time with it all but there's like a dickophobia of like my dick has been there another person's has been there like so then i don't want to put my mouth or fingers on it or just thinking that like p and v sex or dildo and v like that is how sex begins and ends or Mm -hmm. that's where it ends because that's what it does in the movies but it also makes this really linear approach and it makes a linear approach to erections as well of like okay once they're down sex is over but that's like yeah you don't you don't actually need erections for sex like it's no there's so much to do and it's like it's only over when you say it's over and it's kind of actually in indicative of like a kink scene is like a kink scene's over when you like 
feel it's over in the time like that's and we talk about that beforehand of like how are we going to know when it's done i watched mm -hmm. my friends because they did not negotiate it beforehand do a like one and a half hour kink scene the other night that should have been a half hour and i was talking to like my bestie about it and she was just like i should have said beforehand of like you can get me for a half hour and then i'm done yeah because sometimes it's just like okay that was fun i said the jokes i wanted to say we did the things you wanted to do I'm out. Let's go. I'm feeling mm -hmm. tapped. And that, like, that's when the things are over. But we can take that mm -hmm. to sex. That's why a lot of people who practice kink tend to practice a lot of that communication in sex, too. But if we make it not linear, of if we make it like, OK, erection has waned or like I'm kind of tired of the penetration, like let's move to this. Let's mm -hmm. move to back to this here, mm -hmm. there again. And when you have that, you can kind of figure out of like, where do we want the ending yeah. to be? Yeah, just challenge that belief. Like it's not written anywhere. You just do whatever you want to do. And what you said about um, usually cis heterosexual men that are like disgusted by their, by their own penis basically and they don't want to put their mouth uh, on your vulva yeah. again I and I used to think that was like common until I started seeing bi men and most of them are like I love cum like if someone fucks you and comes in you I want to eat their cum out of your pussy and I was like once yeah. I started like doming more I would like I I love when men eat their own cum. Yeah, also. So, like, you know, if we're fluid bonded, it's like, eat it out of my pussy or otherwise eat it wherever it is. Eat it mm -hmm. out of your hand. Mm -hmm. Like, because also I don't I don't really like cum at all. It's like I know a lot of people like one of my friends loves it. Cum, mm -hmm. like all of that. <laughs> I don't. Not really about it. You like uh, clean this up. <laughs> yeah. I, that's my rule with like clients. If they were to do that in session, I'm like, I'm not touching it. I'm not cleaning it up. All you in your pants somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Don't care. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't like comply really at all. It's funny as a squirter. Um, but that's why I'm just like, you take care of the mess. This is mm -hmm. great. Like, and it's fine. Like I've had, like, I, I don't really fetishize people coming on me and like my boyfriend's such a service sub. He's like, I only want to do things you like. Aww. I don't want to do anything you don't <laughs> like. And like, I think there was one time where like we were having a new experience mm -hmm. and it was just like, I think I was like doing some sort of hand job and it was like kind of going into my chest and we could mm -hmm. tell of like, oh, he's he's going to orgasm right now. And it's just like we were so in the moment and like I'm not a like, come on, my titties or my mm -hmm. face person. But I was just like, do it. We're This is. Yeah, I <laughs> yeah. want this to finish. And this is where we're, you're going to get me a towel like immediately <laughs> afterwards. <laughs> do not let it dry. <laughs> I have. Oh, God, I have so much actually trauma with that of bad experiences of like when I was in high school, this person I was having sex with at a party came in my chest, went to go get me a towel, presumably, came back in with his friends to laugh at me. What? Yeah. So I like, I that could be one of the reasons I hate it. Yeah, Probably maybe. one of the reasons I hate it. Maybe that one does stem from trauma. <laughs> <laughs> but that's just something where like, that's like, it's a boundary for me. It's not, yeah, it's, it's, it's something that more like, it doesn't do anything for me, but I also like, I don't like it. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't hate it when it's happening, yeah. but I'd prefer now. Yeah, it was perfect. Yeah. Okay, uh, I want to finish off by congratulating you for buying a house because people are in our space because they tell us, like, you need to work for a company, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, but right? I think you deserve a congrats. You're doing amazing. And I'm so proud of you, even though we just met. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, my, my realtor was also a sex worker, which helped. And, like, honestly, yeah. before this whole experience, too, like, I also didn't realize that I could buy a house. It's just like, I didn't understand the process. didn't seem accessible to me. It wasn't until it was like explained to me by others. And now like as sex workers, mm -hmm. like I know a couple other people that just closed on properties mm -hmm. like recently too, mm -hmm. like in the industry, we're trying to help like education and teaching other people like, here's yeah. how to invest. Here's how to create equity. Here's like what you like, here's how to understand what you're capable of buying. Mm -hmm. 
And yeah, it's it's so wild that it's like this is a reality. I thought I was so far off from this. It's amazing. But I'm like, wait, I'm paying like less in mortgage than I was in rent. Mm -hmm. That's great. (laughs) I love it. Yeah. So happy. Okay. Where can people find you? You can find me at lolajean.com. That is my website. Um, Courses.lolajean.com is where you can find all of my classes, um, both free and paid. That's and where you can buy Lola's world record video as well if you want to watch them. <laughs> um, all of my social media handles are lolajean.com with the D-O-T spelled out. Um, and I am one of the headmistresses of Seven Days of Domination, which is BDSM Education On Demand. And that is also our website, sevendaysofdomination.com. Amazing. Okay, last three questions. What is something you wish more people knew about you? Hmm. Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I would say, oh, I mean, <laughs> my closer friends would say, like, I'm very, like, kind and sweet. I don't think that comes off in my persona that much. And it's more of like, well, yeah, once I know you. <laughs> mm-hmm. I've been intimidated if we haven't done the podcast. Yeah. I'd be like, and I don't know how to talk to her. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably <Okay>. intentional. Yeah, <laughs> I maybe. like to keep a distance. Aww. Yeah. Okay. What is something you wish people did more? Hmm. I wish people did more. I'm like, I'm sure there's like a million things mm-hmm. in general, but I wish, I mean, I wish people did more like, being inquisitive about their own interests and where they come from and challenging those possibly instead of just like leading with that or doing what's assumed because I don't think we unpack enough like media's relationship with our interests. It doesn't mean that we can't like the things that come from media, but like like right now I'm unpacking the association with media of like how many romance films that were like very poignant on my sex life involve people getting pressed against walls Mm -hmm. and how that was very formative for me. And I'm just like, okay, let's figure that out and maybe how to like unpack that and practice that in a way that's maybe not the exact same thing that I'm seeing because Mm -hmm. all I have is just like anxiety about what is my back going to get pressed into and I'm going to have an injury. (laughs) Like how can I make the feeling that I'm associating with all of that? So I think like, yeah, media literacy, porn literacy. Mm -hmm. I think those are things where we're starting to do it in school a little bit more, Mm -hmm. but I wish people would do more of that on their own so I don't have to do it for them. (laughs) Wonderful. What is something you wish people did less? Uh, I wish people oh this is hard because like I don't want to like shame or take away from people besides fetishizing your squirt (laughs) (laughs) um I wish people did less centering themselves in other people's kinks issues problems like a lot of people just assume that like they, they just insert themselves into other people's desires stories all of the time. Mm-hmm. And sometimes just like let that be other people's things. You can relate to it. It's not about you. Not everything is about you. Ooh. Okay. Lovely. We did it. Lola, are you ready to turn off the lights? I'm ready. 